Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A Radio Info Raw Edit podcast. The conversations behind our reports. I'm speaking with Durant Davies, who recently left ARN as part of the COVID cutbacks. Gee, how long were you with ARN in the end? Uh, just over a decade. Your most recent job was head of iHeartRadio. How long were you doing that for? We first went over to the US, I think, in 2012, and it launched in 2013. Well, you're the full bottle on all of this stuff, and um, iHeartRadio's one of Australia's biggest radio apps. Is it the top three with CRA's radio app and ABC Listen? Uh, I'm not sure of the ABC numbers. We're probably, my last set, we're about four times the size of um, the radio app. And yeah, and then you've probably got Spotify, TuneIn, and Apple now obviously has... Uh, radio in it as well. Yeah, there's a lot in the market. It's very crowded with apps delivering streams and podcasts and and catch-up radio. Can that be sustained, do you think, in the long term? Yes and no. Commercial Radio Australia was actually trying to prevent and doing a really successful job of people broadcasting our uh, streams so just scraping the internet, finding the URL, and then publishing it under their own apps. But it was a bit like whack-a-mole. Uh, you know, once you got rid of one, another one will pop up. But I think we, we got rid of about 35, 40-odd third-party apps that were using Australian radio um, URLs to rebroadcast under their own under their own banner. So that, that helped. And I think the, the push by the ABC, SCA, Nova... Uh, you know, and, uh, and iHeartRadio to, to get people to use, let's say, the official uh, streaming apps will, will, will help. There's no, there's no real cost to, uh, to it from the, from the broadcaster's perspective other than producing and maintaining their own app. You talk about those other third-party apps. I guess TuneIn is the world's biggest one. What are your thoughts on TuneIn, their business model, and TuneIn in contrast with the official radio apps? Their business model has changed over time, and I think because globally more and more broadcasters are pulling their, their feeds off of TuneIn. I mean, the, the, the yin and the yang of TuneIn is that they were one of the first organisations to do this, they have this tremendous list of radio stations. They sell that list to developers. So you can, you can buy the, the sort of tune-in add-on to your app and then have you know, hundreds of thousands of radio stations. So it's a sort of go-to for developers. But I think as, as more and more broadcasters say, no, we're not quite happy with sort of you having our customers and the way you're monetizing them, their influence in certain radio sectors will decline, but will maybe increase in others because they now do you know, various subscription services 
as well for, for various sports stations. So I think their, their business model's changing. They'll rely less on terrestrial broadcast streams and they'll, they'll move you know, to more specialist um, audio and radio. And how did they monetize? You said their business model's changing, but at first, anyway, how did they monetize? Was it just inserting their own ads across other people's streams? Yeah, they used to do a pre-roll. So before the stream kicked in, they would do do a pre-roll. Um, but you could you could ask them to re- to remove that. I mean, they're a bit of a sort of uh, anonymous group, if you know what I mean. Um, trying to trying to get them to do things is quite tough. So you know, you'd end up with all other radio stations have come across where you've got breakfast show pictures from breakfast shows you don't have anymore. So they were quite slow to do stuff because of their sort of global scale. But yeah, they used to run pre-rolls. A lot of it was just display ads and that, that volume game of, you know, 1% of a of click-through on a, on a big number is enough to su- survive. Okay, well, let's come back to Australia and the Australian apps, particularly iHeartRadio. iHeartRadio, as you said, came into Australia about 2013 or so, but it was um, already established in America. So you were really piggybacking on something huge. Yeah, it wasn't as big. I mean, it was very fast in the US. So there was iHeartRadio app, which was around for a while. But then what happened was Clear Channel Broadcasting, as it was then, now iHeart media bought a music element to it called and i think the company was called thumbs up so it was when they added thumbs up to the radio station that then gave it a real point of difference in the market and then you also had sort of strategic change of bob coming along and saying you know radio is a national business with a huge reach and repositioning radio in america as the, as the reach giant that it is compared to you know being big in New York, big in LA, big in Boston and so forth. I guess when you're selling national ads, then national reach is the important message to give. Yeah, and even even when you look at regional radio, you know, outside of sort of the SCA, a huge proportion of the advertisers in, in regional are also the same as, you know, Metro, because the, the franchise model of Australia is, you know, every, every town's got a or every reasonable town's got a Harvey Norman and a Kentucky Fried and a Porto and so forth. So the the advertisers were buying regional radio and metro radio anyway. Um, I think SCA has just made it an awful lot easier. You identified that iHeart strategy of combining radio streams with music streaming services, the rent music model that Spotify and Pandora and others have. So do you think that was the magic ingredient that has made the iHeartRadio app successful? Not really. I think that you've got to look at the uniqueness of the US market at that time, back in you know, 2011 to 13, was Pandora was growing rapidly and huge. It sort of hasn't, hasn't achieved everything that it was doing uh, way back then. So there was, a, there was a huge move to that sort of Pandora genre-based music and I, and I think that was the the key for the for the US model, and then their event strategy. You know, they they became you know a global event Goliath, uh, and with the ability to you know pull together the stars for whether it be festival, Latino awards, 
that became a global brand sort of overnight and and put radio back on the map as as a as a relevant um, and trendy uh, medium is it the combination of the the music streaming service with the radio streaming that has um, helped anyway I would say a little bit the the usage of the streaming side you know the the streaming music side of the the app is relatively small. The marvelous thing about iHeartRadio app and, and and other people's app is people use them for live broadcast radio. L- literally 80 percent is for some form of of linear radio, and the reason for that is is usually because you're using apps or web when you're not near a radio. And what's happened in the last you know, three to five years is radios have sort of come back into the house via smart speakers to access radio. So the, the great news is, is that that combination of live speech, pure talk and music is, is really still um, an entertainment form that people want to hear. Yeah, well, it's really heartening. You know, uh, nearly 80% of consumption uh, in your experience is still live broadcast radio just through a different, a different platform. Um, that's very positive for the radio industry. It, it is very positive. Um, but I, I look at some of these, the, I can't remember the CRA figures, but you know, we're, we're losing share slowly. Um, so when you look at you know, the percentage of listening to radio compared to podcasts, compared to streaming, I think the last percentage that CRA uh, data from Edison was 63%, 62%. The year before, 65%. Probably the year before that, it was 67%. But it's still 60-odd percent compared to everybody else who's, you know, Spotify's probably down at, and Apple are probably down at 15%. But, you know, that's two or three percentage points every year we might be losing. And that's probably the issue, I think, that we need to, to address is to maintain that relevancy as whole generations of, of, of people will move having known nothing other than playlists. Let's talk about business models. I think we're at a point in radio's history where radio businesses are reinventing their business models. They're reinventing as audio businesses while acknowledging that live linear radio is still pretty strong, I think the smart companies are also seeing that repackaging your audio as catch-up and commissioning unique audio content as podcasts is just going to be part of the business strategy in the future to make sure that the audience can get what they want in lots of different ways and hopefully monetize all those different ways. The exciting thing is is that you know rule of thumb globally is about 10 to 15% and the, the growth has only been from like 10 to 15 in the last few years with smart speakers. 10 to 15% of all listening to linear radio is, is online. You know, this very powerful FMAM distribution network that people have grown to love with. It's everywhere you want it to be and it's free. As, as people move their listening habits more to online with, you know, phones that offer free or zero data, Wi-Fi that's nearly everywhere, etc., etc. You're going to see that we radio can move from that broadcast model is we don't know who's listening, but we do these surveys to sort of quantify that post the event to a much more similar service to, you know, a Google or an Amazon where we can tell you significant amounts of data about significant amounts of our audience 
that put us in in the digital audio space entirely. It will take us out of that traditional media set and put us into you know fighting against the, the, the likes of Facebook and Google. Well, you must have seen a lot of that data coming across your desk from iHeart app usage figures every month. What kind of things are you seeing and what can you tell advertisers that makes it worthwhile to them to buy audio in this way? We know everything about the user that they've, they've told us. And usually that's a pretty basic information. So, you know, your postcode, uh, your gender, maybe your email and your, your date of birth. Now, that, that's fine. That's sort of generic information. But we can then sort of say, okay, well, this, this person listens to KISS, but they also listen to Triple J. So you can't advertise on Triple J, but you can catch them when they're listening to KISS, and they seem to do that mostly between 5 and 6 p.m. Monday to Friday. We also know that this, this person listens to heavy metal music, so you can make assumptions about you know, what, that, what that person might like we can track their movements on our own websites. So you can start to merge these data sets in to find out much, much more about that person than just they listen to KISS and their age and their gender. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Are advertisers interested in that level of detail? Were you able to successfully sell that to them? Early days for for all broadcasters in that game. Again, the 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 big issue is, is the volume of people you end up in each bucket. Um, you know, the more the more filters you put on something, the less options you have, and therefore you need a very big funnel at the top in order to give the advertiser sufficient volume of audience at the bottom. But I think that's where the, the radio will will become a more dynamic medium over the next few years where we'll be, we won't be selling, you know, 300,000, 500,000 listeners to the radio station. We'll be selling very unique audiences of 50 or 60,000. They might be tradies, and we've found out that tradies listen mostly on a Thursday afternoon at 4 p.m. to this radio station, so you can advertise there. So that, those are the sort of uses of the data that will enable us to sell higher cost per thousand but a smaller audience. And I suppose you can always extrapolate that back to um, the ads on the main live-to-air terrestrial broadcast channels too. I mean, if you're buying tradies on a Thursday at 4pm, then uh, whether you buy it on air or uh, online, um, you're still going to reach them if they have that habit. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's the key. It's using, you know, currently we're at that, that 10 to 15% of listening online, so which is still a huge population um, it's, it's using that sort of panel to say well if, the, if these people listen at this time of the day and you want to, to reach them there's no reason why that same set of people is not listening on AMFM it's the same product it's, it's everything's the same so you can make a reasonable assumption that you're going to get as many tradies on FM as you are online 
Uh, it's very exciting from a commercial business point of view. The other side of it, of course, um, we're lucky in Australia, we don't live in a surveillance state, but um, you know, many countries are. And the one thing you can do without anybody tracking you is turn on your radio and listen to radio without being traced. Uh, but now that's all ending. Yes and no. I mean, in iHeartRadio, there's the ability to, you know, turn off your locations, turn off notifications. So you, you, you are basically just a, you know, a gender and a postcode and so forth. And we don't verify those details. So, you know, you could put the wrong postcode. The issue of, of data tracking will be a societal one. You know, there, there are already, you know, in the US and Europe, you know, significant privacy legislation either in place or being put in place that will will allow um, the consumer the power they need to, to keep their data to themselves if they want to. Streams and apps like iHeartRadio, I think, are the gateway to smart speakers. You know, often smart speakers can't find your radio station. Yeah, and this, this is where you, the, the size of, of iHeartRadio in the U.S., and the size of our heart media um, allows that technology. You know, they have weekly calls with Amazon and Apple to make sure that the you know Siri and Alexa work because they realise that if they don't work in the in the US, that, that that's not a good experience for the for the Alexa or Siri user. So that that, that equal size of uh, of company coming together on a regular basis. I mean, I think iHeartRadio were one of the first companies that um, Amazon went to. And if you can imagine that conversation, which is, you know, we're going to put a speaker in everybody's house and we're going to listen to what, <laughs> everything that happens there and then you talk to it and it ans- answers you and gives you what you want. That, you know, that, that sounds very bizarre when you put it in that sort of way maybe <laughs> five or six years ago. But, yeah, that's the... That, that's the the beauty of having the size of technology um, support for iHeart, but the, you know it, it it is hard. And I go back to the TuneIn model. You know, TuneIn was the go-to for both Siri and Alexa when they started because they can just buy that database, put it into their their give it to their app developers, and then all of a sudden you got all these radios. So it would always say, you know, listening to Triple J on on TuneIn. One of the smartest things that our commercial industry did in Australia, CRA, was to put up the radio app and then really negotiate hard with um, the smart speaker providers to make sure that it was the default app to look at first when people requested a station and then also putting in many different varieties of name that people could request. Yeah, and... and we did the same with with our heart radio and you know we've got community broadcasters on and you have the situation where google as, a, as an example would use the website it wouldn't ask anybody what the station name was it would just use whatever the url was so if you didn't say it exactly you couldn't find that that station for hell or high water but yeah and, and also the you know google apple and um, amazon they want the user to find what they're asking for as fast as possible the, the original launch of those products in Australia wasn't, other than iHeartRadio, wasn't that great. So the, they also wanted, you know, the help of the CRA to, to get that experience more beneficial for their, their customers.
Let's get to podcast now. So iHeartRadio just kept adding things. Um, you, you had the music, you had the live streams, then you added the community broadcasters as well as your own. You did some deals with other networks. Some of them came on, some of them didn't want to be on a rival company's app. And then podcasts came along, and you added podcasts in as well. Yeah, I mean, po- podcast was was again from the from the US. It, it's, it's seeing yourself as an audio company rather than a radio business. And yeah, we jumped on board the minute they got that tech on. We we started adding our own. iHeartRadio is an agnostic platform. You know, there are radio stations on it. There's Nine Radio. There's ABC. There's SBS. There's Ace Radio in the, in Australia, and the same in the US. They've got you know thousands of competitive radio stations on, on their their app, and, and the podcast was just a, a natural progression to another audio format. The big thing that has happened with podcasting, though, is that you know we've now got rather than just live read commercials, we have that opportunity for dynamic ad insertion. Tell me more about that. That allows you to as the podcast is being downloaded or played progressively streamed whichever way the user's doing it you know either the ad is dynamically put in so it's tuesday and here's the ad that's going to go in and or you've stitched the ad in to the the podcast but to me that's now an ad whereas most 70 80 percent of all revenue from podcasting prior to this has been with the live read from the announcer you know thanks to so-and-so for sponsoring today's show they're authentic, they're sometimes cheesy, but they're very authentic for those listeners that enjoy that podcast. So now we've got to be careful we're not just putting in ads that interrupt abruptly the listener's pleasure of that podcast. I think that's a very interesting programming sales dynamic, in a way, the same as you get with, you know, a program director talking to sales about any ad, you know, is it the style that's going to fit to the station format. I suppose we we know about that in our business. It's just a matter of applying what we know to the new podcast platform. Yeah, it's going to be developing fast. And the minute you can do, you know, ad insertion, that medium grows up. Last thoughts about apps and the future of audio delivered in this way. Where's it going? I, I think smart speakers have only just started. And I, I worry that, you know, you you may end up with people asking smart speakers for you know play me happy music play me sad music rather than play me a radio station and or play me the news the radio station bit may get sort of lost because you want people who want news and you want people who want music and people who want entertainment they may choose something else there's also a lot of screens being added to smart speakers which again is just a competitor for time ear time with consumers apps is just a treadmill of continuous functional and improvement you know if i knew what what consumers would use as a, as a function if we added it I'd, I'd be a millionaire because it's it's amazing what you what functions you put out which are used and what functions you put out which are not used it's a problem for radio groups to just keep pace with the change required to keep up with apple google and amazon it's, it's a constant running battle to to keep up to date 
I suppose with big companies, they've got enough money and resources to do that. But the question is the middle to smaller companies, um, if there is that constant spend and activity trying to keep up, um, maybe it's not worth having your own app. Maybe you do have to piggyback with a large competitor or you just have to give in and give your stream away to someone else like TuneIn who's doing it and bearing the cost. I think there for that you know, middle middle of the road radio group, whether they be in Australia or anywhere else, there, there are some strategic decisions about you know do do we want ubiquity of of our content or do we want to monetize our content, particularly on linear radio. You know, those two things can have different strategic outputs. I want to return to the happy music and news. I think you're spot on there. I think people will ask that. In fact, I was just reading some data this week that people were just asking who won the American election or did Trump win you know so certainly smart speakers allow that kind of I guess you'd call it boolean search you know just random search for things that are happening at the moment so I think you're right I think people will request give me the news or give me happy music does that mean that we've got to tag and segment our output in many more different ways so that when somebody does ask give me the news then the default is ABC radio news and then if they say give me the news about America then the tag for that story would take them to immediately to a story on the ABC about the American election. I don't think anybody has really grasped the power of the voice search over the power of you know googling it online where you get you know probably seven or eight different options before you have to scroll down whereas voice is at the moment giving you one so if your default is the abc you know you're never going to hear nine radios or three aws news i see radio groups in australia already doing that you know doing that well but ca channel nine you know they're, they're cutting up segments I think if you looked at the the top 100 podcasts list that comes out, or even the top 50, 15 or 16 of those allegedly podcasts can only be heard on smart speakers. You can't find those in the Apple App Store or or normal podcast podcatchers. They're only available on smart speakers, yet we call them podcasts. The insights that you've built up over these years are very valuable so I'm sure that people will be knocking on your door for um, a little piece of your mind on these things. Yes thank you for your time interviewing me too. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.